If you're thin-blooded from living in the desert for a while, probably felt like minus nine to you this morning, Mike Broomhead. I tell you, I had ice on my windshield. That, Did you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and so I didn't move to Arizona for this, Jamie. I did not move. Who carries here for an this. ice scraper? I, right, exactly. I, I just I don't I don't get it. So I don't know why people enjoy this cool weather. I don't. I moved here for the warmth of Arizona. I would rather have it 110 than below 50. So oh, come if, we, on. if we, I'm serious. I I don't like cold weather. I have I grew up in Florida and I've been here for 28 years. Well, yeah. you can tell the Arizona natives because yeah. we'd give anything for a day under fifty degrees once in a while. Yeah, and, and you know what? And also, I like seeing all the uh, all, all the all the ladies in their UGG boots because of the <laughs> snow drifts. We Only have time outside. you get to wear them. <laughs> scarves and UGG boots because of all the snow drifts in the parking lot. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, good morning, everyone. Governor Ducey joins me at eight thirty-five. We have a nice conversation with the governor about legacy. We're going to talk to him about his time in office. There's some present business we're ab- ab- going to talk about. Obviously, there are some things that are going on in the state. We'll talk to him about the transition with the new governor. We'll talk about some of the lawsuits possibly that are going on um, about the election that happened this year. Uh, We'll talk about the possibility of a special session. But I really would love to talk to the governor about his eight years in office and now that he gets to reflect a little bit. I want to ask him uh, a few questions in reflection. And I think it'd be an interesting conversation for people. And uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. It begins at 835 through the rest of the hour. So that's coming up in a few moments. I do want to start with what happened yesterday. I was off yesterday uh, moving, which I hate more than anything. It confirmed for me yesterday I hate to move. And uh, I will, uh, you know, the guys uh, uh, the guys from Moving Team 6 showed up, and uh, I'll talk about them later on in the show. But it was a great experience with them. But it confirms for me I don't think I'll ever move again. Next time I'm getting ready to move, I think I'm just going to set the place on fire and start over. Um, but uh, there, was a, there was the lawsuits beginning yesterday. The hearing started where Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham are, are suing and trying to get the elections changed. So here is uh, – Carrie Lake is, is saying that um – she wants to be declared the winner or at least have a recount in Maricopa County. They call it intentional wrongdoing. Um, they believe that that's true. But what's interesting is that everything to me should not be – and I don't necessarily blame Carrie Lake for this directly. This is not a slam on Carrie Lake. But all of these people that were trying to dial in to watch the hearing and crashing the system and everything seems to be a fight. And there, we all know people like this. We all know people that are always looking for a fight. Remember in high school there were the kids that just like to fight? Usually you grow out of that. But there are people now that are always looking for the negative. They're looking for the fight. They're looking for the argument. They're always looking to somebody's trying to do you wrong. And it's always that. I said last earlier this week, I said on Monday, I'm glad that this hearing is happening, and here's why. Because it's the legal process. These are the legal channels people have to go through. I've had conversations with people online saying it's a big waste of money. It's this. It's that. Well, listen, there are a lot of things that are a waste of money. Let's be honest. How many times have there been crimes committed with multiple eyewitnesses where there is no doubt in anyone's mind that that person committed that crime? And yet – They're entitled to plead not guilty. They're entitled to due process. They're entitled to a trial. They're entitled to all of that. It's a huge waste of time and money. We know they're guilty. Huge waste of time and money. But that is what the, that's what our justice system is. That's what the courts are for. That's what they're entitled to. I thought the Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler fiasco for four years of chasing down President Trump with no evidence of Russian collusion was another undertaking that was a, an immense waste of time and money. But it is the process. 
And the process now is this. And here's what I think the benefit for all of us is. The benefit for everyone in Arizona is there will be no more speculation, no more tweets, no more innuendo, no nothing. All the evidence has to be laid out on the table. Let the people of Maricopa County and the people of Arizona see the evidence. Conjecture doesn't work in a courtroom. Every detective you will ever meet will tell you it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And you have to have evidence. Now, there are going to be people, one way or the other, that believe emphatically what they believe. There are those that believe the election was stolen and you're never going to change their minds. And there are people that believe that the election wasn't stolen, it's not possible, and they're never going to have their minds changed. But everybody out there in Maricopa County deserves to find out what happened around the state of Arizona. What happened? We have, we have two sides. The battle lines have been drawn between two sides on this issue. And now we're going to see what the courts say. In the end, the only when I will get too frustrated is when it's over, no matter which direction it goes. And I mean, it's over, over. We have to put a period and move on. And that's where we have to go as a society. We didn't do it after 2020. We did it all the way into 2022. Now, there's no doubt there were issues on Election Day in Maricopa County. A, was it intentional? And B... If it was, who did it? And C, did it change the results? Those are the three questions. And the people of Maricopa County deserve answers. Now, I've been very clear that I don't believe that 2020 was stolen. I've talked at, at length about the audit here in the state of Arizona. I've done all of those things. But at some point, you have to move on. And I do think that Carrie Lake... And Abe Hamaday and Mark Fincham deserve their day in court, just like anyone else does. But then they should be committed that whenever committed to the idea that when it's over, it's over. The courts have ruled. You may agree or disagree with their ruling, but now it's time to move forward. And my fear is that's not going to happen. My fear is that after the hearing yesterday, they've set dates now for there's there's the uh, the defendants in this case have asked for a dismissal, and the judges heard that, and now they've set a tentative date for the 21st or 22nd of December to move forward with this. It's got to be done very, very quickly with hearing evidence that says that this election was false. And this is where we've, we're going to get answers, and I believe that we should. I believe that the people of Maricopa County, the people of Arizona, the people of the United States deserve answers. But we also have to be committed to the idea that when it's over, it's over. There are a lot of times when things happen, you don't agree with the results, but you have to move on. And at some point, and I'm speaking directly to my political party, at some point, you have to move forward. There is a Republican-controlled legislature, but we have an incoming Democrat governor. But if you think that there is reasonable legislation, and it should be, you know, and I think people on both sides of the aisle, there should be reasonable legislation at all times if it's necessary, any time if it's necessary, to make sure our elections, it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. We want access to the polls to be made easier for people, but we want it to be harder for people to cheat. 
And for me, that kind of election integrity is necessary. So I'm not against legislation that makes sure that elections are better than they used to be. We can always improve. And I just hope that whatever happens at the end of this, we're moving forward. And if we don't, and and, and I'll I'll say this, I think most people agree with me, and I'm not trying to rub salt in wounds or anything else, but if you look at someone like, uh, you know, Kimberly Yee, who won more votes than any other candidate in any of the races, she won more votes than anybody in the statewide races. No idea where she stands on election integrity. None. And I still think, with all due respect, that's how it should be. And not saying it isn't an issue. Not saying you shouldn't have it as an issue. But when that's what you're running on, the people in Arizona were thinking about different things. And they were concerned more about other things. All right, coming up in just a few moments, Governor Ducey is going to join me. We're going to talk with the governor about his time in office as it begins to wind down. He's in his final days as governor of Arizona. We're going to ask him about his legacy, what he is most proud of, maybe a few of his regrets, how this all started. All these questions we're going to have for him when he gets in studio with me in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, welcome in studio, Governor Doug Ducey. Welcome back, Governor. It's good to be back. Merry Christmas. You know, this is, I don't know what it's like for you, but this is kind of bittersweet for me. We've known each other for a long time, and you've been coming in gracefully into the studio with me for a long time, and it's kind of winding down. How's it feeling for you? Well, it's feeling good. You know, we're going to finish strong, leave it all on the field. The eight years have gone really fast. It's been great coming into the studio. If you remember in the in the first year, I came in one time unannounced because yeah. we were talking about how it was tough to get access. And I said, come on, Mike, it's not that tough. Well, I was using an analogy about people having people. And mm-hmm. now we knew each other before you were governor. And I said, I can't get to you. Now I go to your people now. And you actually kicked the studio door down. <laughs> so what are you talking about? I'm right here. No, it's good to be and it's good to look back on what we've been able to do. So I want to look back, but I want to take a, let's just do some business first. Sure. Um, the transition now is talking to Governor-elect Hobbs. She is already said that she possibly might stop the border wall or the the shipping containers. Have you had any conversations with her about that? Well, I've talked to her, of course, about the transition, and I'm going to make sure that it's seamless. Everybody knows where I stand on border security, the investment that the legislature appropriated for border security. I think both candidates ran on border security, so I'm hoping there's going to be a focus, continue on border security. God knows we need it. Everybody sees these visuals that are happening. I think the border, with all the investment all the infrastructure that we've put. The border's never been more chaotic in Texas right now, and those waves come to Arizona as well. Yeah, El Paso just recently asked the Biden administration to use military bases to house immigrants. That's how bad it's gotten in, in I Texas. I think finally the administration is starting to see their policies not working, and there's going to need to be more focus, and I'm hopeful that Arizona's governor is going to partner with them on making sure that people are safe and that there's, there's better policy. Um, and, and another piece of business is the special session possibility. People said that you had promised a special session to get this education spending thing done. Can you tell us where that stands and where you're at on that? Listen, the special session was always a possibility if we have the votes. I'm not going to call a special session to not get anything done. So it's on leadership to tell us we have the votes. And what we're getting right now is a lot of yes, if, and yes, 
and uh, what we want to hear is 31 and 16 yeses. That's how you get to a special session. So that's on the legislature. Well, we're hearing from, I, I think it was Udall that said that she believes that they have the votes. Well, then show us the votes. And then you'll call it. Show us the votes. Okay. All right. So I, I wanted to make sure we had that conversation because that needs to get handled one way or the other. I'm not a big fan of propositions, but I'm not a big fan of the way we do business. That way it, it ties the legislature's hands. But we got to get that money in the classroom, right? Well, we put $11.4 billion additional dollars into the classroom. We have dollars available. This is something that can happen in a special session. It can happen in the next session. But you need to have the votes. Let's talk um, Let's talk about your time in office. Uh, the semiconductor plant has got to be the icing on top of the, the Sunday for a guy that came from ice cream. Uh, it, it, this has got to be a big part of the legacy, right? It was, it was a big economic win. It's going to transform our economy. Arizona is the, the national or global hub for semiconductors. TSMC is the biggest project the state has ever landed. Thank you to everyone that participated on that project. And I think the evidence is really that the president of the, of the United States flies out here and assembles a coalition of, of people and business leaders to tell America why it is so important. So it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting, and it's going to be a real hub for other supply chain and distribution in our state. What um, what was the motivating factor? Have you talked with them about uh, the investment has grown from $12 billion to $40 billion. What motivated that increase in spending? We always had an idea that this could really grow and I think you'll see it continue to grow but those announcements are more up to the company. You know, a lot of times, you never do this, Mike, but others in the press think that if some company fails here that it's on the governor or it's on the state. Well, it's really up to the marketplace. And the marketplace is demanding TSMC chips, and they're going to continue to do that. So I think you'll see continued in, in investment and participation in Arizona's economy. And, you know, I, I don't want to leave out Intel because they've been such a big part of Arizona a for real so leader. long. But another investment from them as well, it's going to help them. Is it going to help Intel or does it hurt Intel? I think the competition is good. There's a need for all the semiconductors these folks can make. And I think people are starting to come to understand what semiconductors are. They power everything we do from our phones to our cars to your kitchen appliances. And the reason the slowdown in the supply chain happened is because we didn't have semiconductors. These people are the best in the world at making them. Of course, Intel's been a leader for decades. We couldn't be more proud of their investment in Arizona. If you haven't seen their plant or TSMC, it's a good thing to just drive around, go way out to East Chandler, and then drive to North Phoenix. And you're going to see there's going to be a lot of opportunities for everyone in Arizona for decades to come. Yeah, it is an interesting business. The analogy I used or the story I told was I bought a jacuzzi during COVID for my house. Now, I'm not complaining. I don't want to complain. I mean, this was not a problem, but I bought a jacuzzi in October and it didn't get delivered until March. And the reason why they didn't have the components to yes. build it, just as something as simple as that. As, as simple as that. And it goes down the line. When you talk about the internet of things and how things are connected and you can, you know, you work your TV from your phone, all that relies on semiconductors. All right. I want to, we got one more segment with the governor. What I'd like to talk about in the next segment is about education because of the expansion of school choice. But I also want to talk a little bit more about your time in office. I want to see if we can get you to reflect a little bit on the good things that have happened. So we'll do that in a minute. We are here with Governor Doug Ducey. One more segment of the show. Please stick around.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, in studio with me is Governor Doug Ducey. Um, let's talk about a little bit about legacy. I want to go back to the beginning because I, I knew you when you were state treasurer. And then to see you run, it was a big field of candidates when you ran. And during the election year, you were way behind in the polls. How did you look back at that, and how were you able to convey a message that overcame such a lead by one of your competitors in the primary to win this election? Well, we put the message opportunity for all out there. We got all over the state, every room in every county, and had, had a lot of fun. You get to meet the people. You get to go room to room from the, the legislative districts to the Kiwanis Club to the Rotary Club to the diners and, and counties. And I think we had a message that, that really penetrated. The people spoke, and it was a, a tough primary. And there's a lot of good people in that primary. There's a really good opponent in 2014 in, in Fred Duvall. So uh, looking back, it's uh, we put a roadmap out there. And I do think having that plan, being able to stand up in front of a room and saying, I have a plan, passing that out. And if you look at that roadmap today, you can check a lot of those boxes that we were able to get much done. But what gets you there? I mean, obviously, you didn't need the gig. You didn't need the job. It, it, but what is it? What motivated you to say, I want to do this? Well, I thought Arizona was in challenging times. And I love the state. I came out from Toledo, Ohio. This is where I went to school. It's where I built my business, Cold Stone Creamery. It's where I raised my family. I just thought it was the greatest place in the country to live. And I didn't know why we weren't competing with places like California and New York and other large cities for economic development. I said I wanted to 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 kickstart the economy, that I had grown a business, and now I wanted to shrink a, a government. And uh, we've been able to make headway on all those fronts. Were you surprised by anything, the ugliness or anything that happens in politics? Did anything jump out at you that surprised you? I think you're pleasantly surprised by some people that you don't know that are overwhelmingly supportive and helpful. And you're also unpleasantly surprised some, with some people that you do know that may work against you. So that's politics. That's that's running for office. That's being in the arena. Um, I want to talk about the other part of your legacy. Uh, everybody talks about the economy. I think that is going to be a big part of the legacy of your time in office. But the other part of this is going to be education expansion because there was a national story out Monday. I talked about it that they are now looking at this in states all over the country to expand education choice. Arizona is the gold standard for educational freedom. We have universal ESAs. That's educational savings accounts. So you as a parent can take your taxpayer dollars and send your child to the school of your choice. I do think this is the domino that is going to begin to fall across the country. It's like when Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile. People thought it was impossible, but then they saw it was just a mental issue. And now thousands have done it. There's no reason every other state in the country shouldn't follow on this. Our great public schools are going to remain our great public schools, but our kids, they're trapped in failing schools. Like I said, 50 years ago, politicians stood in the schoolhouse door and wouldn't let minorities into schools. Today, those union-backed politicians stand in the schoolhouse door and won't let minorities out. Let's let these kids go to a great school. My kids have school choice. I think every kid should have school choice. When you uh, when you look at this stuff, when it comes to education and some of the things that you've done, um, what do you think was the biggest, what do you think is going to be the biggest benefit with school choice? I think the biggest benefit is there's a healthy, dynamic competition. We already see this from charter schools. Our public charter schools are among the finest schools in the country, and our district schools have improved along with them. This is an additional innovation. So, you know, when you're the principal or you're the superintendent, you want to get those kids in seats. And when parents have that option, when they're actually in charge, they want to go to the better school. 
They want to go to the place that better suits their child. Look at our schools for autism. People move from all over the country to have their child sitting next to someone in a like situation with a teacher that understands that situation, and there's a ton of parental support. You can go from that that universe of, of children to kids that really are eager and curious to other kids that need special attention. So this is where school choice is going to benefit every family. Give me a letter grade on the summer camp program. Well, listen, we were overwhelmed by the participation in it. There was learning loss during COVID. I mean, looking at a screen is not good for any young person, and they probably are looking at screens too much. So Arizona did better than other states, but we did better in how we regressed uh, because, there, like I said, everybody had some learning Learning loss. So summer camp to have you know tens of thousands of kids going and participating in math and reading in American civics, and we already pre-funded for next year. So we're going to get those kids caught up. We have to address what happened, and we have to make sure that they're prepared, whether they're going to go into the trades with career and technical education or on to community college or one of our fine public universities. Last question then. What do you want to be remembered for? Everything else, how do you want it? When your name's brought up, how do you want to be remembered? that I did my best and I left the state better than I found it. I think it's going to be mission accomplished. Governor, I, I really appreciate the time always. I hope you'll come back when you're not governor and uh, and we can talk. You can really speak your mind. How's that sound? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Mike. All right. That is Governor Doug Ducey in studio with us uh, probably for the final time as governor. And uh, it's been a it's been a great ride. So I appreciate the time as always. And we look forward to uh, to what happens next. Um, and we will, of course, be talking about all of this as uh, as we move forward with what's happening in Arizona. Arizona is not going to stop. And uh, we thank the governor for his time in office. Uh, Coming up just after 9 o'clock, we're going to talk about consumer price index and the economy. Things not necessarily looking good, but a little bit better than they were. All of that's coming up in the next hour of the show.